just kick it off. You want to do it? Go for it. So wow. The pod is back, and then it's going away again for a while, but we're back because we had to uh, put this season three to bed. It's Paradise Pod, end of season spectacular, season three. Wow, what a cast we got for you here, folks. First of all, Paradise Pod debut, but well-known in the National Sea Podcasting uh, community, uh, the one and only Chris Ivey. Chris, what's up? Hey, it's good to join and good to get a first cap on Paradise. Yes, damn good to have you. Damn good to have you on loan. Um, the rest of the squad, you know, you know these guys. John, Pobinreich, we haven't had you on the pod. All season we had to bring you in to help us uh, draw this one to a close. How you doing, bud? Good to be back. Yeah. Uh, Don, what's going on? Not much, man. What? That is a that is a BM twenty two. We got Paul. Paul from across the pond. Wow, what dedication. Check How are you doing? How you doing, sir? I'm good, yeah. Pleasure to be back. So the enemy. He he comes in damn three lines on his chest, you know, this week of all weeks. Um coming home. Respectful. Is it coming home though? That's the question. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> not this time. <laughs> um, well, we're going to talk a little bit of World Cup, obviously. Did you guys watch the match earlier today? Little Ecuador? Nah. Yeah. Victory. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nothing probably uh, unexpected there. We'll definitely talk some World Cup, but most important order of business is able to put three of Nashville SC's MLS journey to bed. So, Let's cast our minds back to the regular season for the club. Had a final home match against Houston, which we had an opportunity in that one to get ourselves potentially a home playoff match. And things were starting to feel really probably the best they had felt for the club kind of going into that one. Um, Shaq Moore had been well integrated by that point. We were also feeling the jolt still of Schaffelberg coming into the lineup and, and, and what he was able to bring to the 11. I think we had that run of four straight wins and then a couple of draws coming into this one, but I think generally it was feeling like, yes, we can, we can kind of, we can turn the season that has really felt kind of terrible at times into what would have, you know, people would have bitten your hand off midway through the season four, which would have been a home playoff match. And then we just kind of shit the bet against Houston. Um, it was just kind of, I was just, I really unexpected. I remember sitting there in the stadium feeling kind of shell shocked. Um, let's go to LAFC, um, you know, eventual. Champion supporters, shield winners, uh, and, and go nick a, a win that ended up really not meaning so much ultimately um, on decision day. So the two matches, the loss against Houston, the win against LAFC, just kind of bizarre. And just isn't that just Nashville SC? Just like you, what? How are we supposed to ever feel about this team? Strange. But after those two matches, regular season ending, how do you, how do you guys feel? Like going into the playoffs at that point, like coming off those two matches, Donald going into the playoffs. How are the vibes? Uh, I think I was – I remember being pretty indifferent. Like, I didn't think we were going to go into Galaxy and win. 
And I think, especially after the Houston game, I think I left the Houston game early just because I was like Oof. pretty annoyed with the team at that point. Did you really? Uh, yeah. Because I remember Walker scored like, the, I just looked at Walker scored like an extra time. And I, I left at like 88th minute because I was like, ah, whatever. Um, but yeah, I remember basically, I don't want to say I didn't care, but I was pretty much done with the season. Um, everyone knows my thoughts on Gary. And so, yeah, I was pretty apathetic towards the team. Leaving, I, I can't say I have ever left a match early. Paul, is that is that poor form? I mean, what do you, how do you feel about people uh, leaving early? I'm not big for it myself, although I know in the the, the local derby recently for Preston, I know I, I left on about 65 minutes, so uh, I, I can't judge. Sometimes you just, you know, don't you? It's uh, You can see how it's going. My defense, I had to go to Whole Foods and they closed at like 10. <laughs> <laughs> no, <And I> got, <laughs> wow. And I, no, that makes it worse, actually. Yeah. And, and uh, well, I got there at like 9.50. So, like, had I not left early, I would have missed being able to go to Whole Foods. So. You wouldn't have been able to go to Whole Foods. That sounds a, a bonus. What what's uh what specifically are you getting from Whole Foods? Is that your normal grocery shop? I thought you got everything delivered. I didn't think you grocery shop. No, nah, I was getting uh, Talenti. You are getting what? Talenti, ice cream. Oh, gelato. Yeah. <laughs> was it was it mint chocolate chip? No, I hate that. It's a uh, raspberry cheesecake. Sorry, lads, I have to leave the game early to go pick up my raspberry cheesecake. Gelato. <laughs> well, it was yeah, a mix. Exactly. So it wasn't just like, hey, like I was annoyed with the team. We were down two 0 to Houston at home, yeah. and I was just like, fuck it, I'm depressed. I want ice cream. So I was like, do I want to stay and watch the team be terrible against Houston at home, or should I leave and like try to get into Whole Foods? And get some sure. ice cream and feel better. It's self care. Oh. You had to leave a match yeah. and get gelato. That's self care. So no one can attack you for that. That's mental that health. Feels that feels like it encapsulates the entire end of the season for me. Mm. Yeah. It was this sort of like slow, drawn out slide toward inevitability. Inevitability. It just felt like I kind of know this is going to end badly. It's doing it slowly. I'm glad that Hani got MVP but that's kind of all we can hope for. Let's all go home and eat some ice cream. So, I mean, I think I think that's a good – it encapsulates the end for me. Crazy I no part, regrets. Though, because going into that Houston game, it, it actually felt like maybe they were turning it around. I mean, you yes, win that I one, know. you get top four, get a home playoff game. So, like, yeah, like for the summer in that backslide, I would, yeah, it felt like I needed ice cream the whole summer. But – at least there were some better vibes going into that Houston game. And it's like you said, they shot the bed and there went that I think, chance. I think because you just kind of saw, like, I, I kind of saw the writing on the wall at that point. Like, you lose to Houston. Like, you're not going to have a home playoff game. You're probably going to go play one of the L.A. teams. Yeah. Or another team like that Houston lost just kind of steal. Like, you knew, okay, like, we're not going to win a playoff game. Totally agree. Right. I think that was that was the point where you knew what was happening with the playoff campaign. You could see what was coming. Every time we had that opportunity, the the moments there to seize, we just seemed to fall asleep and take our foot off the gas, and you, you knew what was coming. Yeah, I guess you know the the four win streak going into that kind of the. I, I have to I have to admit I was feeling I don't know maybe I'm easily like tricked by this club like you know I in recency bias perhaps like even if the season has had like some serious lows at that point, like Chris, I kind of felt like it, I felt like it really was turning around. I certainly didn't expect 
I don't know. Right now, it feels like everyone had an expectation after the fact of, you know, examining what happened in, in Houston in hindsight that you expected it going in. But I was just, I don't know. I was starting to feel good. And then another bummer with Houston is that it kind of ruined my ability to enjoy happened at LAFC because you know what a kind of fun way to end the regular season to go yeah. you know beat the strongest team in the league um in LA but it was ultimately rendered meaningless by what had happened previously in Houston yeah but even that I mean so yeah they, they came away with the win there at LAFC on the final day but I mean they had what 4.5 or something like that xg so I mean they were just barraging us with with shots yeah, so I, know I, I don't really. I don't think I can for that one. I, I don't think I can ever remember a better goalkeeping performance than yeah. Joe's in that mm. final day. I yeah. mean, what a performance! True. Yeah. Truly. Well, and, and but I mean that connects with what what we've seen all season for this team, which I think is the overall problem, right? It's it's a string of individual shining performances. Hani propels us to this winning streak, absolutely on fire. Joe wins a game for us because he just plays on his head. I think that was the sense of inevitability for me. It was like, yeah, we pulled out a win, but it's not because like we played really well. It's because Joe was great. Uh, and that just spelled doom for me. I, I, I remember getting ready to watch the playoff game and just thinking like, oh, God, I barely even want to watch this because I just feel like I know how it's going to go. Yeah, so the eventual, you know, we're given to begin the playoffs and then ultimately end the playoffs um, was a match away at LA Galaxy. By the way just want to get everyone's take on the tiebreaker in standings in MLS because we finished level on points with galaxy and uh, were denied. Okay. So we had the opportunity to go clinch and earn the home playoff match essentially in the Houston game. And we, and we, and we flubbed our lines there, but is it not bullshit that, is it, is it not the case that a tiebreaker in the rest of the world is goal differential? Because we had a, we were level on points and had a higher goal differential than LA Galaxy, and we're still forced to go play on the road away to them because they had more wins, even though we had the same amount of points. I mean, that's a second year in a row, though, right? Like, Philly, that was the same thing with Philly last year, and we ended up going to Philly and losing. So, hmm. I don't know. It just seems like a yeah, – I think that's – Two years in a row. Just I think that's right, him. though. You agree Game with him? No, no, I think that's right. It's the rest of the world is on oh. gold. Mm-hmm. Oh. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like yeah. to be different, don't you? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you know no, no, no metric system or anything like that. No tiebreak <laughs> being on gold differential like the rest of the world. Yeah, we got to be different. You know, that's our exceptionalism. <laughs> I don't know. Just a, like blind rationale of it, of, you know, you want to encourage teams to push for wins, but I don't think any manager in MLS is sitting there in, you know, April thinking about, oh, shit, I need this win, and then we need to push for it so we can win that tiebreaker eight months down the line. I mean, it it, it makes sense in theory, but in practice, I don't think it really has the effect that MLS really wants it to. I think if we're trying to push teams to win, someone needs to tell Gary this because how many occasions were there where teams are there for the taking? He seems to want this draw. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, had to get my final gripe out on that. You know, as mm. as 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 disappointed by things as you'd get at times, you still kind of feel the need to stick up for your club and say, like, like, come on. In any other competition in the world, like we would have had that home playoff match. Maybe it would or wouldn't have made a difference. But anyways, we end up going to the Galley Galaxy um, first round of the playoffs. No Gary Smith. So 
really understood after the fact, like what happened here? There was, was it some kind of non-COVID illness? What do we know of this? It was just, it was kind of a bizarre, bizarre day. Like this was part of a kind of just felt like a strange disorienting buildup to this match. But it was on a Saturday as well, you know, college football season here. I don't know. It just it felt like it was secondary in everyone's minds. The scheduling was a bit strange. All of a sudden, our manager's not going to be there. What, what, what did we ever get resolution on on what happened with with Gary on that day and why I wasn't there in LA? I don't think we have. I mean, I, would, I think it was just a generalized, you know, illness. Um, strange. I haven't heard one way or the other if it was like COVID related or not. Yeah. Also, funny that like no one really. You know, I don't, it maybe, I don't know if it says something about like the general sentiment about like the manager or not, but people weren't like, oh, damn, now we don't have a chance. Maybe that's because like the Gupster, like we have seen Steve Guppy take charge of this team and like get a result. Um, I don't know. If you want, if you want to be more uh, magnanimous, maybe you'd say it was, it was more so people's confidence in Guppy and less their, uh, you know, maybe lack of confidence in Gary. But people, I don't know, didn't really – no one seemed focused on the fact that, like, our manager wasn't there in our first-round playoff match is, is a strange thing. But I don't know which one would have – I suppose Gary probably would have picked the 11 and just kind of dictated instructions generally to, to Guppy. But um, the 11, everyone was a little bit surprised by, if you can cast your mind back and, and try to remember. Um, back five, wasn't it? Back five um, and no Schaffelberg. Schaffelberg came in uh, and made such a difference, um, you know, during the kind of latter part of the regular season. Yeah, back five, Mayor's back in. Okay, I, I'm okay with that, I guess. But we've made such a conscious move to a back four once we brought in Shaq Moore. And, and then, you know, you, you finish the season doing that seemingly for a reason. And then the, the first time the stakes are ramped up to their their most important in the single elimination match. Um you revert to the back five and you take out Schaffelberg has made such a, such a difference. Also, Annabelle Godoy seemingly never got fit enough to start. Um, for like, for, you know, for, for a lot of the season, really. Um, I, I guess even before the 11, people weren't really feeling super confident about going to LA. I still honestly going and I would have said maybe like 50, 50 chance. Um, we had just seen this team go get a kind of an unexpected result in LA, but then you guys said, the performance in LAFC, not maybe the greatest. Sometimes you can win when you don't necessarily deserve to. I don't know. Feelings going into the uh, in the playoff match. What do you think, Andy? I don't – did I in- even introduce you at the beginning of this? I'm sorry. I think I left you out of my introduction. You I'm did. so damn excited to have international correspondent <laughs> Paul. You have to forgive me. <laughs> Andy's here, guys. Uh, I, for- I forgive you. I forgive you. Yeah, no, um, you know, I-, I was, you know, excited that we were – Going into the playoffs, we knew that w- that ahead of time, um, you know, but, you know, to uh, to some others uh, comments, you know, we kind of just saw the likely end of our season coming up. And and I don't think there was a whole lot of excitement. You know, we got the, uh, uh, you know, Guppy filling in, uh, you know, that threw things, the, the lineup changed, you know, I, I, I never had the confidence that, hey, we are going to go smash two, two balls into the net and, and win this. Like, I, I didn't I just didn't have the enthusiasm from, um, you know, from what I was reading and just general atmosphere. Uh, but, you know, I still, you know, support the team. I, uh, I want us to do well, but uh, um, I don't know. I, I, I didn't really didn't really I wasn't feeling it. They may bet on Nashville in this one. <laughs> No, like a literal bet. Damn. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think what's a 
I'll say, I think what's funny is the, uh, did they rule that the Walker handball in the Galaxy game was should not have been a handball? It, the was one before, the one where I stomped out of the stadium like several weeks prior? Maybe. It was the one where, uh, yeah, 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 the, yeah, the, yeah. Galaxy, the home game against Galaxy where Walker yes. had a handball in like the 90-some minute. And uh, I think report, they, yeah. yeah, I think they had said that it wasn't, which is funny because that was, had they not had the handball, we probably would have posted LA Galaxy. Because I gave yep. them the one point that broke the tie, yep. um, but yeah. As far as Gary, I think like uh, I think Guppy's like two and zero, so I, I was feeling pretty comfortable. I think I had tweeted like Nashville will see by a billion, just because like I like him. <laughs> I like I don't, know. Uh, I don't know anything about. It. I think he's just unknown, so that's probably why I like him. I know what Gary is, and I just don't like it. So I think that's the attractiveness of Guppy. But yeah, I, I was going to say it. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, so I I didn't I didn't think we were gonna win. Even like, which sucks because I hate when you get to this point as a fan base. Like when we lost, I was pretty like, yeah, whatever. Which is like a terrible place I think to when you're a fan. Like just don't care. So yeah, that was kind of my feelings with the Galaxy. Well, it's funny. I, I had the same. I think I responded to your tweet or were around the same time about Guppy coming in. You know, like. Hey, this is the guy that that turned Hani into a you know MVP striker. Like, who do who do we want? The guy who's going to rev up our offense. I was excited about it, but here's here's my probably stupid hot take on on going into the playoffs. I think that subconsciously, the fact that Hani had MVP wrapped up at that point. I think that was a subconscious deflation of this team and Hani in particular. I don't think he had any less enthusiasm. I don't think he had any less drive sort of consciously. I think he played really hard, but I think the fact that they, the whole team spent the whole season pushing to try to get him that. And he pushed himself so hard to try to get that. that once it was sort of hey, season's over, we all think it's locked in. I think that had an effect because I went back and watched highlights of this match and, you know, Teal just screws one up right at the beginning. That could have been a goal. CJ played terrible when he came in, but Hani was just sort of not really present. He didn't have much effect on the game. It didn't look like. So that's my, that's my hot take of the playoff match. It's almost like you wish we had a a great DP striker. We'd spent a load of money on that. We could have brought in at that point. (laughs) Would be nice. Next year, you know, I think without, I mean, I, I can't get, I can't escape the fact that Chapelberg was not selected. I think that mm-hmm. he was integral. In, I, I don't think the the selection really gave us our best shot of winning the match. I don't know how Chapelberg's not in there. Chapelberg was a part of the resurgence that allowed Hani to elevate himself into, you know, becoming MVP. Um, and winning it and then you take him out you look at that team it's just it's not the same um there's just there's Schaffelberg being in there helped Hani so much he even talked about it um and you wouldn't have had to hear him talk about it to have just seen it with your own eyes it added such a needed element to this team and without him I think we just looked like the team that we had been before he signed we looked a little bit slow we looked like we couldn't really stretch teams and and then with the reversion to the back five after we'd gone away from it um we were really sitting back we were really hunkered down so and i don't know 
Schaffelberg being out, that's a function of going back to the back five, right? Yeah, yeah. I suppose so. I believe he played as a wing back potentially during his days in Toronto. I think it would require a manager with a different idea for that position than Gary for him to play as a wing back. Um, certainly, I don't think Gary Smith would have probably ever played him as a wing back, although that would have been an option. But yeah, I think it was a choice of I would rather play a back five. And that causes me to lose Schaffelberg, but I'll take that because it's more important for me to have a third center back on the field. I think you're right, John. I think I still like to, I like to think that this was Steve Guppy just going rogue and picking his own team on the day when Gary wasn't there. I'm (laughs) sure it wasn't, but it's a nice idea. (laughs) I think I was the only one who was actually okay with the lineup choice and thought it was a smart play. So if you go back and look at those, other two matches that we had with LA Galaxy earlier in the year, I mean, they dominated possession even at Geodas Park. They caused us all sorts of problems on repressing, um, and we just could never get anything offensively going. So I think what I mean, Gary chose that lineup, even if he wasn't there. I, mean, I don't think he gave that over to Guppy. Um, but I think the idea there was, hey, we're gonna smash and grab, you know, a win here, and. For most of the match, it worked. I mean, LA didn't really have, if you look back at it, many, really any high quality chances other than the goal. So, I mean, if that was the game plan of, hey, limit what they can do, given that when we've played more expansive against them, it didn't work, then, you know, maybe still a goal on the road in a playoff match. I don't hate it. I mean, that's kind of what this team has been built on for a while. And so, yeah, I mean, it's the risk of you had done so well with Schaffelberg and playing that four man back line the last month or prior, but if it hadn't worked against the galaxy earlier in the season, I don't know that trying it a third time was necessarily going to yield results. Yeah. I think that's a good point that you could, you could justify trying to make a change specifically against this galaxy team who had given us trouble. You know, I still have memories of the Yovelich winner and the celebration jumping in the stands um they were a little bit of a, of a bogey team for us i yeah i do kind of base my feelings going into matches uh, on the, the way that i'd seen the team perform against these sides previously so yeah i guess in that regard you could you could maybe justify making a big change like that a system change um against the team that would given us trouble so i'm sure that though my only issue with that is like I remember the Galaxy edge and and you know on the roads maybe a little bit different, but at the Geodis Park game, like Schaffelberg was destroying that left side. Like he was really good that game. And like probably one of the only few good players that can, but uh like I, I don't know, it just seems like if you're gonna take someone out, that's probably not the guy you wanna take out. I don't know the lineup that you do if you still want to go to a back five and include Schaffelberg, but I don't know. It just seems one, the guy that like kind of sparked the resurgence of the team and also played really well against Galaxy. Uh, I don't know. It's just hindsight, but I don't agree with it. The also, inclusion of Anunga was really confusing to me. I, I wish we could have gone gone with someone else. I, I like Anunga, but I see him more as a closer out, not starting a, a game in the playoffs. So thought that was a little uh, miscalculated. Yeah, less so the inclusion of Anunga and more so, I think, the lack of specifically Godoy. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think as you kind of try to cap off your thoughts on season three, like maybe a, a reason that the team hasn't been able to probably, you would say, make like a, a big step forward 
um, is that we haven't had like that steady central midfield pairing um, that we'd had in our best moments in like season two. And I, I, I suppose, you know, before that, but yeah, like we were able to rely on, you know, some degree of ball progression and definitely a, a steadiness um, from having a, a Dax, McCarty and Anibal Godoy midfield. And we were no longer able to really rely on that this season. It, it felt like, and so, you know, we're going to talk in a bit about like things we need to, you know, maybe think about doing in terms of squad building and adjustments moving forward. But yeah, you know, maybe not being able to rely on, on Dax and Godoy anymore. Maybe that's kind of the biggest thing that, that fell off and kind of capped the potential of this team. So you know, I think you could, yeah, go ahead. I, I think that kind of caught me a bit by surprise though, uh, this season, because we, we'd always had such a reliable central midfield. And I, I know the guys aren't getting any, any younger, but with the addition of Sean Davis, it really felt like we'd brought in that piece that was going to be able to uh, plug that gap and to get those minutes on the field. You felt he, he'll be a reliable week in, week out starter. He'll bring, the same sorts of qualities and you can supplement that with a, a Godoy and a, a Dax and manage those minutes better. But it, it just didn't ever feel like we really got that chemistry and synergy going between the guys in the midfield. Yeah, we're getting into some larger thoughts kind of on the on the way this whole season panned out. So I guess to get away from just that, the, the playoff exit, what are final thoughts on the season as a whole general thoughts i think the big things that will stick out in people's minds were the fact that we opened our home at geodas park um beautiful stadium i'm looking forward to many great moments there in the future um and hani mukhtar's mvp award but i'm curious you know what what having an mvp means for a new club like this in the league, maybe what it doesn't mean when you have done what this club has and hasn't done on the field as a whole outside of the one player. So I, I don't know, Donald, the whole, you know, season three of the Nashville SC show, how, how do you feel about it? How will you remember it? Uh, that's tough. Cause honey winning the MVP is nice and deserved and probably should have been the back-to-back MVP, but I don't know. I'm disappointed. I think, I think uh, I went in the season and we had this whole like argument. It was like, I think me, Ben and Davey and stuff like that. We were all arguing about how I thought this was like a, they were competing for a supporter shield. And, uh, you know, with the home record last year where we didn't lose at all. And I I didn't think that was going to stay, but I thought, you know, we'd maybe have less draws, more wins and more losses. Um, but the draws would turn into wins. Um, and then we'd add some losses, but yeah, I think it's just disappointing. Like, uh, I mean, halfway through the season, Gary says if the team makes the playoffs, that'd be like the greatest accomplishment, which is like, you go in thinking the supporter shield, the whole like Loba fiasco of, you know, we don't want to start them on the road or we don't want to play them on the road, the, the main road trip. And then you get home and then you just don't play them there either. And then he scores a goal and then you just don't play him after he scores a goal. So I don't know. It's just, a lot of disappointment, I think. Uh, I had higher expectations. Pani winning the MVP is great, but again, last year I think he should have won it. So to me, it's just him doing, you know, staying consistent. So, yeah. I, I think expectations is the exact right word there because 
first two seasons, right? We come into the league, new team, and expectations are low. We make the playoffs, sort of have to play our way in, gritty wins, figure out a way to do it. Second year, similar kind of story. We're, you know, still have to fight for a lot. We haven't opened our own stadium yet. Fortress, Nissan, all of that. So expectations are still, I think, relatively tempered. And we surpassed them in both years, right? So that felt great. For me, I I felt the same way, Donald. You come into season three, we're going to have our own home stadium. We know how to play well together. You know, the team has gelled. Hani looks great. I think I, along with you and Davey and a bunch of other people, thought we're going to be in this for Supporter Shield. Uh, We should be up there. We should be finishing the season first or second. And despite the fact that I think objectively this was a, this was a good season made the playoffs finished was it fourth i guess had an mvp and a golden boot winner like objectively all those things are incredible but i think the fact that we had such high expectations going in i did and we undershot those pretty you know pretty obviously that's what makes this season feel a little deflating, I think. Yeah, I think a lot of people felt like this was kind of like the launching off point. Like we'd maybe exceeded expectations season one, season two, and set up this base from which to just really kind of spring on from. And opening up the new home stadium might be a part of that. And it didn't really work out that way. So I think a lot of people felt like that. It, it felt like, yeah, I think I, it felt like the next step. And, um, you know, I went in with the, you know, we had an MVP and again, should have won last year and then back-to-back defensive player of the year, but we played like, it seemed like we were playing still like we're expansion team. Like we're still playing for draws despite having, you know, defensive player of the year and MVP golden boot winner. Like that just doesn't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I still struggle to remember and part of this is, you know, bad memory, but I still struggle to remember you know, games where we went in and we were expected to just blow out the other side because it was a terrible team. And we came in and we just just blew them out. It felt like most of our really great wins, the ones we celebrated so much, were somewhat unexpected. You know, you'd come in, Montreal comes to town, and we beat the shit out of them, even though they're one of the best, you know, teams at that time in the Eastern Conference or um, – you know, when Dallas came to town and that was right in the middle of turning things around. Those were sort of unexpected, like, wow, look how good we played. But the mark, it seems like the mark of a really, really top tier team, you know, LAFC, Philly, you know, some of these other teams are when they play bad teams, they absolutely destroy them. And I just cannot, I, I, nothing comes to mind where we, we really did that this season. I mean, that, that's been an issue, I think, since, year one yeah. of just, yeah. play, you know, playing poorly against the bottom of the table. Yeah. yeah it kind of raises the question of like, you cap your ceiling based on your kind of play style and philosophy. Cause you're right. Like it never really feel, even if Nashville is favored by the odds or whatever to win a match, it, it never really has the feeling that we're playing downhill. Um, and with the opening of our new home, hopefully we will have moments like that in the future, but like, it's still a question, like based on, you know, the way we play, like we ultimately ended up, I think having a better away record than we did home record. And 
in some ways, maybe we have to throw out this first season, but it was a little bit disenchanting at times when you would hear, yeah, I mean, Gary really kind of lowered the expectations a lot, like intentionally and literally and the things that he would say and he would talk about, you know, you kind of dance around this a bit, but he would say in as many words, like we're having a little bit of a, diff- of a difficult time winning at home because this, this is such a nice new facility and teams are coming in here really excited, ramped up to like come get us like he really would kind of say that in so many words in some of his press conferences one thing for me this season i'll remember i got very into watching gary smith's press conferences i think i think i've recommended this several times if you're if you're not doing this you really you need to start it's great viewing get a get on youtube and start checking those out but um (laughs) yeah any any other kind of any big surprises or i I will say I, i keep mentioning his name but like love Jacob Schaffelberg signing Shaq Moore certainly feels like a coup and it feels like we've added some young pieces that we can really build around for the future and that gives me hope and you know when we have seen the club when we have seen the squad like make improvements and 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 start to play better in different ways it, it is because certain individuals come in or are played in new positions um it, it tends to be based on like you know players based on the players we're, we're putting them in a new place or we um have, have added them in so the additions the, I, I think the the mid-season transfer window um i will remember the signings of of jacob Schaffelberg and Shaq Moore as, as really turning things around um and, and i and I, I love the two of my I, I think those are nailed on starters now um moving forward I'll certainly remember that. And I had some great moments at Jodas Park. I really enjoyed walking down there. I, I was um, spoiled and fortunate to be able to walk down to the stadium. And, and you know, even at the at that midpoint in the season where we were in such a lull and it was just like you really didn't go in expecting to win. We had LAFC coming to town and, and teams like that. I still just kind of had a smile on my face. I'd get there early. I'd watch the teams warm up. And, like, you know, just a day out at the park and, like, having a home was just like – I really enjoyed it. And like, you know, there's matches that we lost at home. And I just like, I, st- in spite of myself, like I'm, I'm results oriented. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I care about, you know, performances and points, but like, I just, I did have fun at Geodis park. I got to say, like, I think we've opened up a, a, a really lovely home for the club. And it, I, I think there's things to look forward to based on, you know, a new home, new players, from this season, I, I I don't think it it was all doom and gloom. I had a good time. I always have a good time. I, oh, it's a it's a great it's a great Paul. It's a great stadium. And Paul, you got to get over here. You got to get you got to come visit the stadium. It, I mean, I felt the same way, Josh. Like it, I loved going. I had fun every match. I think some some other folks on other podcasts have said this, but I think next year will be even better because we had so many home games slammed so close together because of that front loaded road trip. I think next year it'll be a, the schedule will be a little bit more even, and so it won't feel like oh my god, there's another game, another game, another game. It'll be a little bit more spread out, and so I think the enthusiasm at every game will be be better. But I felt the same way. I mean, it's a great stadium. It's super fun. The empanadas are straight fire. I mean, so good <laughs> every time. I'm missing them. I've literally my mouth is watering just like thinking about them right now. Um, and I'm like you, Josh. I I have hope because. You know, we brought in Schaffelberg, and he immediately made such an impact. To me, that says this team is on the cusp. We have so many of the right parts, and it just takes sort of small things, one good player, one good signing, one tweak, 
that I think that could really unlock this. I mean, can you imagine a strike partner with Hani that's of of equal quality or or even slightly lesser quality that could that could play with him? Uh, what that would do to this offense, or having a really true like number ten um, with passing ability, and I, I just that gives me a lot of hope that we're so close. It's just finding the right piece to really unlock the rest of it. So I have a lot of hope. I'm a hopeful guy, and the stadium freaking rocks. So. Yeah, I think uh, in reality, I think you, you're probably going to look on this. It, it's easy to feel quite doom and gloom when you look back at the season at this point. And I think that's probably because we, we mentioned before the inevitability of uh, what was coming. And it, it felt like we all knew what was going to happen in that playoff campaign. But but in reality, finishing fifth place in a season where you you open your new stadium and you, you have the MVP and the, the Golden Boot winner, I, I almost look at it with a bit of fear that I think we may look back at this season and think, what a great year in, in future seasons. And and I, f- I feel a little guilty that I'm maybe being so pessimistic about it now because I do think it's something we'll really look back on and think, wow, that was good. And uh, in reality, I guess that's part of the w- where I do feel a bit down on things is because I feel it was a real opportunity loss this season. I think uh, with, with, with the budget of Nashville, with the the natural attraction of MLS of, of players coming through these days. I don't think Nashville's ever going to be one that's competing for the, for the best signatures or the biggest signatures. We've got to be smart about how we do business. And I think whilst you're doing it, of course you can go all the way, you can achieve anything. Uh, and you know, the, the way that the salary cap works and that there's things within MLS that make it great for, for spectators to watch, you know, it's a much more even league than, the Premier League, for example, and I think that's what makes it good. However, I do feel that as a Nashville, you've got limited opportunities where you could really be expecting to be, we mentioned at the beginning of the season, we're talking about it as we should be finishing minimum top four. People looking, can we win the Supporters' Shield? Can we be second place? Those were the sorts of expectations. And I, I don't think there's going to be many seasons where as a Nashville fan, we're thinking that going into the campaign. So that's where I do feel a little bit down. But in reality, you've got to certainly say, yeah, we, we added some great players and it, there's been a lot of positives from this season. And I hope that puts us in good standing for next year. Andy, how will good you remember? You- oh, Chris, how will you, how will you remember this one? <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's good that people can like find some positives from the season because if, if you go back for anyone who's been a supporter of this club going back to even the USL days, this season was the first step back that this club has ever had. I mean, if you go back to the first USL to the second USL season, they improved. They went from seventh or to second. Um, then the first season MLS, they, they sneaked into the playoffs. The next season, they get a home game. So it, it was a, a ladder that I think everyone kind of thought that this team is in this club is just going to keep improving and improving and improving. So it's the first time the fan base had to deal with, you know, not making that next step. And if you think about it, and everyone's kind of hinting at it here and kind of talking about it as well of, you know, it's a razor's edge between seeing this season be really solid and a disappointment. If you get one more point and you finish with a home playoff match, you're hitting expectations right there. So we're talking about, you know, an MLS rule of using wins instead of goal differential being the thing that really probably skews how we think about this season. Um, So it it is a little different in that, you know, it wasn't the step forward that everyone was hoping to take, but it's not, you know, doom and gloom either. 
Yeah, I'd like to highlight uh, some of John's comments. Uh, like, I, I think we really have a strong foundation. I think, you know, right from the get-go, building up through a USL even, um, you know, I've just been impressed with, you know, generally how we managed uh, most all of our signings, you know, our uh, our uh, the parent uh, desire to accumulate all the, all the GAM and TAM available in the league. Um, you know, we just had a lot of smart signings outside of the forward uh, striker position, of course. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I am totally uh, optimistic for the future with this club. Um, you know, yes, the season didn't quite fully make expectations for me. Um, but I, 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 th- I know we got something good here. Um, you know, maybe just a little piece, piece away and, uh, you know, let's, let's go, uh, let's go boys for next season. Yeah. I'm curious for everyone's thoughts on maybe the couple of pieces that are most important to add in the off season, but it's time for the third annual paradise pod quiz. Holy shit. Let's go. (laughs) Yes. Oh boy. All right, guys, it's quiz time. Um, two people will have the opportunity to defeat the Dom because I think I've decided that, Paul, I would like you to co-host this quiz with me. Um, it just, add, just You'll just be the color commentator. I'll be kind of be play-by-play asking the questions. You just chime in with that, you know, that classic English witty banter that we're all, you know, really always expecting to get, you know. Um, so help me out with that. No pressure there, then. I want to divide <laughs> the teams up. First of all, I want to split up the lawyers. So, Chris, John, you guys do not get to practice together um, today. So, and we, we know Don is the reigning champ of the quiz, even though he's never actually gone against anyone. But uh, I'm thinking that we are going to have Donald. John and Andy. What do you guys think? You kind of cut out, but I think you said me and Chris and then John and Andy. Yeah, I don't know. They could be, you guys could be front loaded, though. You guys could be stacked. I know, I know I am, Chris is going to. I'm back to back champion. So you are the back to back champion. <laughs> Just thinking that John and Andy should have from uh, Tuesday Night Lights. Yeah. You know, obviously we're playing on Tuesdays. So that's right. Also, that's right. Also, I feel like Andy just knows dumb things. So he probably knows everything about this team. I think he's definitely going to get one or two of them. So I've kind of, I've got my questions here. Um, we've got our teams. Also, I'm, I've conveniently selected them because on my Zoom screen right now, Donald and Chris are over here and Andy and John are on the right. <laughs> you can't drag them around, you know, but. <laughs> can you? I've always wondered yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the sure. Is, uh, that's fun. Yeah, me too. Is, uh. Do we both answer the same question or is it like alternate? So here's my yeah, format. Yeah, what's the format? Yeah. Uh, we're going to go back and forth. So like, uh, Donald, I'll, I'll ask you the opener. And then the next question will go to John. The next question will go to Chris. The next question will go to Andy. But if, if you, so if you get the question correct, you receive two points. If you cannot answer the question correctly your teammate can come in and provide the correct answer but they only you only get one point does that make sense mm. and yeah. then if neither one of you get it the other team can come in and take the steal for one point oh, How's oh that steal opportunity you said for one yes. point the steal yes. is one all right steal is one so um i have 
the questions sort of in a in a themed order here and let's dig in the first couple of questions relate to nashville sc's eight game away trip to start the season and so oh, our shit. first question for you donald who scored nashville sc's winner in the opening day win away at seattle godoy that is correct Damn it. Yeah, I need that one. This is why I got the uh, reigning champion as a teammate. Ferry the, ferry the water for me. There we go. Well, you, you already seem like a good teammate. I see you, I see you supporting, I see you cheering them on. That's what it's all about. That was probably that was probably the only answer I would have like known in that eight-game stretch. I, if you were going to be like, who do we beat? I would have been like, I have no idea. <laughs> but I remember that one goal. I suppose it was pretty memorable. Yeah. Question over to you. Team John and Andy. John, the club memorably started its season game away trip of road matches. In how many of those eight matches will it see take points? How many of those matches will it see win? Ooh. Andy, unless you know for sure, I have a pretty decent guess. Pretty decent. Like it's all up, sure up, up, I'm getting. Yeah. I, th- I think you're allowed right. to get it wrong, I, I, and still he can take you. He can save you with the one point. I think okay. All right. Okay. This I, is also hard. I I think we, yeah. I th- I think we won two matches. That's my guess. That is incorrect, Andy. You can save Damn. for one point here for your uh, team. My my, uh, my recollection was that we won three. That is correct. We won three of those right. eight matches. Point. It was Four. Seattle, Real Salt Lake, Columbus, I think. Columbus, okay. That was the one I was forgetting. Yeah. Should have won yeah, Minnesota, but fucking rain. Yeah, I don't even remember that Columbus game. Um, and that was actually going to be a question, but it's okay. We naturally talked about it. We will move on to the final question relating to this road trip. Um, for you, Chris, true or false? a goal sixth match of the season can you repeat it because I didn't hear half of it true or false Hani Mukhtar did not score a goal until the sixth match of the season I mean I, I know we kind of started off a little slow I'm gonna I'm gonna say true it is false it actually took ah. him until the seventh match of the season a 2-2 wow. draw at San Jose crazy to remember that he had a little bit of a slow start to the season and I didn't give you guys the opportunity to steal but I suppose that doesn't work for it doesn't work for true falses true or false so I'm just going to give you one point and now it's tied up we're 2-2 moving on to a couple of Geodis Park firsts question for team John and Andy Andy who performed the riff at the opening match on May 1st Oh, um, Paul, I figured this might be a tough one for you, having not been in the country. Yeah, yeah, but looking at it, I do, I do look and think if anyone's going to know this, it seems like an Andy one. I know. (laughs) Uh, I I, I don't know the band. I can't think of the band. Um, Oh, he's pictured in my head, but no, I'm not, it's not coming to me. 
Man, John, please save me. Uh, All right, John, you can save here. What do you got? I, I don't think I ha- I know this is not the right answer. But I'm just gonna say Debut's name because it was awesome. Incorrect. He was very good at Nissan, but incorrect. Um, opportunity for the steal here for Team Chris and Don. I what do you guys think. Don't remember, but I feel like it was like. I know there was rumors that Soccer Moses was doing it, but I don't yeah, know that he did. That's who we wanted it to uh, be. I don't think so. It yeah, wasn't. yeah he, he should be doing it every week, but no, I think it was somebody else. I don't remember. Did they bring back. Oh my gosh, we did it the, the first game for that Atlanta match. Did they bring her back? L- Lizzie? No, the man. Lizzie. <laughs> I, do, I do not remember. Stop helping. No, Stop helping you. That's going to be the buzzer. Eh, no one got eh. it. The answer, Tommy Shaw of the band Sticks. Okay, I would have got that. Tommy Shaw of the band Sticks. Um, who are we on? Are we back to Donald? Yep. Yep. All right, Donald. Who scored the first goal Park? The first goal scored at Geodis Park. Who scored it? It was a PK against Philly. It was right in front of you. It was right in front of me. The first goal scored at Geodis Park. Was it not a PK? Uh, no, I'm not going to. You know, not it was PK. whatever. There's I... some youth friendly. This is an MLS. <laughs> you have eight seconds. Uh, I can't remember if they pull. If Liao. If, I feel like it was Liao. Is that Liao. your answer? That is incorrect. Would you like to save for a point, Chris? Yeah, so obviously it was a trick question. So Leal had the first for Nashville. Philly oh, scored yeah. before us. <laughs> and I want to say it was yeah. Mikel Ure. It was Mikel Ure, yes, that is correct. Oh, Ure. Like, <laughs> can't do trick questions. That's a good question. We should know who the first scorer at our stadium was, and it was Michael Ure. <laughs> who was the first Nashville scorer? Was it Leal? Yeah, yeah, it was Leal. Yeah. Yep. I saw you falling into that trap, and I was just like, it took me everything not to just take the <laughs> yeah, screen and be like, yeah, I, know, no. I know what you're doing here. <laughs> All right, over to is it John now? John. Yep. One of the two players that scored in Nashville's first win at Geodis Park, I will remind you that it was a 2-0 win against Real Salt Lake. Two Nashville SC players scored. You get all two points if you can name one of them. I'm trying to remember that game. Oh, boy. Andy, do you know this one? I've got a guess. Oh. That's it. Okay, I'm going to take a guess, and if I'm wrong, you can you can take it. All right. Uh, Real Salt Lake. Was this the... My boy, Alex Moyle. Incorrect. Alex Moyle did not score in this match. Andy, wrong, wrong you can game. come in for one point with a guess, perhaps. What do you got? Um, I'm going to say Sapong. That is correct. CJ Sapong yeah. scored our second goal to cap off the win. The first goal scored was from Dave Romney, who actually banged uh, in a couple this season. I think he got three. So... Uh, we're still tied, I believe. We're at job, Andy. three, three guys. Still going on the subject of Geodis Park 
firsts. Um, back to Chris. Chris, who were the first team to defeat Nashville SC at Geodas Park? Oh, God. Um... I feel like it was somebody who really shouldn't have. But that doesn't really, you know, answer it. I know. Um, I'm going to stab in the dark. I don't know, because we played them later in the year. Um, I am really blanking here. Minnesota? That is incorrect. Donald, you, you claim you know yeah. it for the for the save of a point. Who was it? It was uh, off the winner of USMT legend Graham Zusi, Sporting KC. Kansas City. That is correct. A two yeah, I remember that game. on June nineteenth. That was uh the game Ake Loba scored and then never <laughs> saw the field pre seventy fifth minute. The rest Look of at the this legend over here. Come on with the Ake Loba it's tough to defeat the Don. That is also, yeah, I was going to add that in as a little fun fact. This was yeah. uh, Akeloba's lone MLS goal this season, I believe. Did not, he definitely scored in that not, match, which is unusual. Not did not see the field. One man in the match. The, not counting the Open Cup, because he scored yeah, there. He did, yes. City, yeah. One man in yes. the match, and then didn't ever start it again. Or I guess he didn't start that game, but. Yes. Anyways. Um, speaking of. Open Cup. We're back to, I think, Andy now, right? <laughs> Who scored the winning goal during the first period of extra time in the thrilling 3-2 U.S. Open Cup win at Geodis Park against Atlanta United? Our third winning goal. Who scored it? I feel like all, all I have is guesses, but I'm going to say Mule. Incorrect. John. I was out of town. At a, yeah, I was okay. out of town at a wedding for this one, watching this on my phone. Um, <laughs> but I was watching. A great game. Um, just trying to remember. Golly. I sort of have a vague picture in my mind of how it happened. I'm just going to say Hani because, yeah. Never a bad guess, but it's incorrect here. Team one for the steal. Do you know who scored our winning goal in that 3-2 U.S. Open Cup win? Was Don, the, uh, was it Zubac? It was the Pokemon Zubat. It, it was, was Ethan Zubac. <laughs> yes. Team one taking a little bit of a, of a... They're pulling away a little bit here now. It's 5-3 to team one. Um, That's right. Zubac. Yep. They love to uh, show that highlight and, like... Like up on the jumbotron too. Like it was constantly being replayed if you were in the stadium. There's one Ethan, contribution for the season. Ethan Zubak's big contribution to our season. All right, moving on to kind of a new section. You know, transitioning well from uh, that first U.S. Open Cup match at Jodas Park. I enjoyed the U.S. Open Cup run this season. Uh, back to Donald for this question, I believe. Right, Paul, you got to yeah. help me out. I can, I can only, <laughs> I can't keep track of who we're on. I just can read the questions. I, I've forgotten. I, I'm just, I'm just Damn a spectator Paul. at this point. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Chris had the last one. Thank you. Um, so, Donald, 
Um, name the two players that scored Nashville SC's two goals in their U.S. Open Cup round of 16 win up the road at Louisville City FC. Okay, Loba, Hani Mukhtar. That is correct. We were physically present for those, man. Got to see that Hani Yeah, I was there. That was fun. Yeah. yeah, fun kind of part of the season that kind of goes forgotten. And a little bit of a disappointment, too, if you think about it. Like, I think, God, imagine, like, lifting a U.S. Open Cup trip. You're thanks, just having a final. Brian and Nunga. We can thank Brian and Nunga for that one. <laughs> yeah, I like I like Anunga, but man, he that 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 uh, freaking he's cost us. Yeah. Orlando game. Oof. All right, over to you, John. After making his debut in the U.S. Open Cup against Louisville City FC, Elliot Panico started the following MLS match away to which team? Oh. Yeah, I remember the home game. Oh, golly. The following... Wait, say that again? The following... After making his debut for the club in the U.S. Open Cup match away to Louisville City FC, Elliot Panico started the following MLS match after that, and it was away to which team? That's a hard question. Can you give him, like, the score at least? (laughs) Because I think I think I know it, but I th- that is a hard question. If, if it's the game, I think. Andy, do you, do you remember? No. Uh, uh, I don't know the score. Louisville, and then who did they play think, after that? I think we won three one. Yeah. Okay. Then it's a game that I remember. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, uh, let me uh, let me. Yeah. Yep. 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 Let me Go. guess. I had a uh, oh, I had a wrong guess based on before I heard the score. Um, yeah, I was thinking it was like Midwest or something. I'm just gonna pick a random game, and if I'm wrong, then yeah. fine. Uh, was it Vancouver? Incorrect. Okay, Andy, you go. Colorado. That is correct. It was Colorado oh. Rapids. Uh, I wouldn't have got that without Donald. <laughs> it was a hard question. Colorado was my first thought, but that was a hard question, I think. Very that was a guess. I'm, I'm shocked that I got Colorado. But. All right, keeping with the U.S. Open Cup theme, Chris, back to you. During the penalty shootout against Orlando, which knocked us out of the competition, name a Nashville SC player and whether or not they made or missed their penalty. You have to get the player and whether or not they made or missed their penalty. Just name one. I'm going to say Jack Mayer nailed a penalty. Jack Mayer nailed a penalty. He should have to make, I think he should have to name like three. (laughs) That's what I think. See if you can get another one. I'll give you guys the opportunity to, to name one as well. How about that? But Chris, can you can you by chance name another one? <laughs> oh God, I feel like we were down to a lot of nothing at that point. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Teal got one. Teal did not take one. Oh, there is um, a man. That's the first goal was I think Ake Loba PK. Yeah, that's right. Loba made that his. is correct. Um, Andy, yeah. John, if you can, na- I'll give you guys a point. 
if you can name a player and whether or not they made or missed their penalty. We have now taken Loba's make off the board, but there are still I'm pretty, five I'm, players we could name here. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Zimmerman made his. Zimmerman did make his. Word? That's yeah. correct. I'll give you guys the full. I remember being excited because the defenders, the defenders were really like killing it. Yeah, the center, the center backs nailed there. So Alex Will stepped up first and missed his. Uh, followed by five. I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> followed by five makes in a row from Ake Loba, Jack Mayer, Walker Zimmerman, Ethan Zubak. Was Zubak? I was going to say Zubak made his. That was going to be my other choice. Nice. Um, that was his other contribution. Yep. And then uh, our miss uh, there at the end of the shootout was from uh, EM15 himself. Eric Miller. Eric Miller. Yeah. yeah. What a shocker. Yeah. At, least shock, at least shocking thing ever this season. <laughs> okay. A um, couple of questions I wanted to ask about uh, a point in the season which I didn't expect to really care for much or or have any memories from, but I actually thought was was kind of a blast, which was our exhibition match in the League's Cup against Club America. So, Andy. Right? I think we're on Andy. I believe so. Name the Nashville SC debutante who scored the opening goal in our exhibition match against Club America. He scored on his debut. He had never played for the club prior to starting in this match and scoring our opening goal. Oh, um, is it uh, Meredith? No. uh, That would have been wild. He's (laughs) a keeper. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, no. um, It's it's the defender. He's got like a a high and tight haircut. Um, I know this one. I just don't know the dang name. Um, Oh, please save me, John. It's Bauer, right? Bauer. Josh Bauer. Bauer. That's right. Yeah. Mama going crazy. Oh, for real. She was she was <laughs> off the chain after that goal. Good for her. Doing it for all the Joshes out there, Josh Bauer. <laughs> uh, Donald, name yep. the Nashville SC player who scored the final winning penalty in the PK shootout against Club America. The final winning one? Yep. Shit. No clue. Uh, I'll take a guess, though. Hawkinson? Incorrect. Good guess. Chris with the save. Looks like Chris knows. Brian Anunga with the it ice was. in the veins. Ah, right. Brian. Ah, <laughs> Brian. Ice in his veins. Uh, that was so much fun. I was it, Before we played that match, I was like, why are we doing this? This is dumb. I mean, it's, I don't know. Still maybe kind of a silly thing, but I'll tell you what, I had fun. It was fun. I, I wished after the fact that I'd gone. Yeah. That was a fun game, yeah. Uh, going into our, our last couple of questions here. Team two, you got a little work to do. You have six points. That's John and Andy. Team one, Chris Don, you got ten. So Oof. Let's see if anything exciting happens here in the final questions. And we're on John team dealt Nashville SC their largest defeat of the season. The largest deficit for Nashville SC in a loss came against which team? Uh, I'm going to go... Was it 
No. Uh. Ow. Oh, man. It wasn't that Houston away game. I'm going to say Houston, just because, why? Why not? Incorrect. Not Houston. Andy, can you save here? The largest deficit in a loss. Andy, for a point. NYCFC? I don't know. Incorrect. I don't know if we played them this season. I don't think we did. Paul has got a smile like he might remember this one. <laughs> oh, no. um, this was, uh, yeah, this was you guys Josh by himself. Here. This was Charlotte. Charlotte. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, 4-1 defeat was, uh, at Charlotte. I was I, there. I, was I didn't watch that yeah. game. I, I was successfully there got Charlotte that out of friends. my memory. Yeah, I, it took me a second. Like, you want to kind of forget that game. Yeah, that's right. Josh, I, was, Josh was there. Witness it. Yep. Went, went to the NASCAR cafe. I was going to say, went to the, like, <laughs> yeah, the racing museum or something afterwards. Right? Yeah. I was, like, insanely hungover by myself, waiting on an <laughs> evening flight in Charlotte. Nothing to do. It was rainy. We had just gotten curb stomped by an expansion team. A new local rival didn't feel good. I don't like NASCAR. I went and walked sadly around the NASCAR museum. <laughs> Did not enjoy it. Paul, Paul, does that even does that even compute for you? Like a, a museum about about racing? Uh, yeah, we, we've got we've got right? a lot of F one, haven't we, over here? Yeah. Well, so, okay, uh, sure. I mean, I, I don't I don't understand racing. So yeah. What do they? But, but like, do they not, not have cool or fun at all? And that's yeah. They don't have like F one museums over there. Right? Yeah. Yeah, because we've got the Silverstone, which is like the big track, and most of the teams are based here, so it's quite big in the uh, just outside of London. There's a there's an area which is huge uh, with racing. So yeah, I, th I think they've built a museum there. Uh, a few guys at work like it, so they've told me they've been. They said it's great. Oh. I'm I'm not in a rush to get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't recommend the NASCAR museum in Charlotte I either. I was gonna say I want to I want to hear a sad story of Paul after a Preston or a Nashville SC loss, moping around the F1 museum, and uh, yeah, on like Josh. <laughs> Josh, you right. got your picture taken, didn't you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I made it the episode art for. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, very, very kind of depressing, but memorable uh, weekend in Charlotte. Okay, who are we on now? I can't, I'm a horrible quiz master. Uh, uh, Chris is next. It's Chris, Chris yeah. Back to Chris. All right, Chris. Joe Willis stopped this season. Can you name both of the players that he stonewalled? Uh, Chicharito would be one. That is correct. Um, and then a Rondo would have been the second. That is correct. Yeah, wow. one of the worst penalties I think I've ever seen. To be oh, honest. Oh yeah. Oh, the little hop, the hopping. <laughs> yeah, the little up. skip coming up. Yeah, <laughs> awful. Did you think so the, the, the guys like slowed it way, way down? It was really funny. Slomo was was super hilarious. Um, okay, back to team two, Andy. It's Josh. John. No, no, it's you, bud. It's oh, okay. No, I think, yeah, I, I got it. Yeah, mine. I missed the okay, worst yeah, loss yeah. one. <laughs> um, all right, Andy. The milkman comes twice on Saturdays. Away 
at which opponent did Jack Mayer score a brace? Oh, man. Who did he score two goals against? I don't know this one. I remember the goals. I don't remember the team. Yeah. <laughs> think I know it, but I'm not going to be too confident. How could you guys forget the legendary, probably the most legendary match of the season? I don't know. I probably, I get the, I, I figure out these questions and I would probably be like the worst at actually answering them. It makes me feel, I, I start to get worried that my memory is going, but every year we play this and I feel better about myself. Yeah. I, I'm like, why do I remember Aki Loba scoring against Sporting KC? <laughs> Bizarrely, I think more more than most of the the actual quiz questions, I remember the 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 journey you guys had to Louisville where the, the group chat just seemed to be complaining about traffic and I have, I have a vivid memory of that but yet you ask me about some of the biggest games of the season I don't even remember them the, the traffic was truly very bad on the way to Louisville that's true yeah uh, you got a guess what do you uh, think Andy uh, could it be Toronto that is incorrect oof well I was gonna Favorite say. Point. I was gonna say Vancouver. So that is correct. Vancouver. It was Vancouver. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Man, I was thinking of that earlier. Bad guess. I remember it being a dome, but I couldn't think of any teams yeah. that play in a dome. With it being a, a Canadian foe, Andy. and that was when Vancouver was still like really good. Wasn't that one of the ones where it was like, oh man, I can't believe they went out. And- Shellacked them on yeah, the road. Yeah, Vancouver was not bad. We I mean, also rotated our lineup for a lot for that one. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, team one, you got this one wrapped up, I think. But we'll close out. Give you one more opportunity to just kind of create some more separation between yourselves and the and your vanquished foe here. But final question. This is a fun one. Jacob Schaffelberg scored on his Nashville SC debut in a 4-0 win against FC Dallas on August 21st. Two other Nashville SC players scored on their debut for the club. The first, memorably, was Walker Zimmerman in the club's inaugural match. Who is the other player to score on their debut? See, this one I know. Jack Mayer. Was it Jack Mayer? No. It's incorrect. It actually made me think for a second, but... Castellanos. Cassianos, exactly. Yes. Robert Cassianos. Long yes. may he live. We just released him, right? Didn't he go? Yeah, yet? I think we didn't take his yeah, off. Was that, not, was that oh, not that's a bummer, man. Yeah, so I, I, I got this from like the clubs right up after the Schaffelberg debut. But now that you mentioned Jack Mayer, maybe that wasn't his first. We brought him back. He must have played in season one. And then we brought him back on loan, and he scored in his first match back. It must not have been a yeah, that one that, the club. Yeah, that Walker was like a surprise, like yeah, he uh, dropped from the roster because he just had his kid or whatever. Because he did okay, score 14-7 win. Congratulations! But good Oof. job, everyone, all around. Give it up for yourself. Hey, look at us. Mm. My favorite part of the year. Thank you, everyone, for participating. Um, <laughs> Paul, what do you think? How, how did how did the lads perform here? in the quiz really well actually yeah some some very good knowledge good memory there impressed good stuff boys all right um kind of does it for 
our kind of season three specific things for the club. Uh, Off-season news so far, a um, couple things I thought we could just touch on quickly. Uh, we've received confirmation that we're moving back to the Eastern Conference. I think we all knew that, but it's been made official. Everybody pretty much happy with that. Oh, My absolutely. schedule is. Yeah. Yep. I was going to bring that up on like um... – we were talking about the season expectations and I, I am curious like how much that played a part in like the disappointing season is I think we maybe underestimate like how hard it is to travel so much mm-hmm. and constantly going to West coast. I mean, who's the closest West coast team or the closest team was like Austin maybe. Yeah. 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 It was tough. And some of the rivalries that we had started to kind of form in the Eastern yeah. conference, I'm happy to be getting back to yeah. Some of those, I want to keep playing Orlando. Oh, and, uh, I want to keep playing yeah. New York, you know. So I'm, I'm excited for the matchups, I think, more than anything. But I want to see Dax punch Maxi Morales one more time before he <laughs> retires. <laughs> Definitely a welterweight. Or whoever he punched, I don't care. Maxi deserves it. <laughs> they all deserve it. Um, Huntsville City FC. National C finally has its sort of feeder club, an MLS Next Pro uh, club where we can develop players thoughts on Huntsville City FC do you guys see kind of the the crest reveal what do you think about Huntsville City as our MLS next pro club what does that mean because I, I don't know a lot about it like it's not USL so it's like I just don't know what that league is and I'm sure Chris probably has knows a lot about it yeah, so it's MLS's new reserve league. So instead of having teams fielded in USL Championship or USL 1, I think USL kind of wanted to break away with, from MLS and having those second teams within, you know, their leagues. And also I think MLS wanted to focus, you know, on having a dedicated reserve team or reserve league as well. So it started this past year. Um, most of the teams already had a a team fielded this year. Nashville decided to wait a year. Um, so this will be their first reserve team uh, ever. Um, so they still need to build up the roster for that. Um, I was a little surprised that, you know, I, we talked about earlier of like Castellanos being let go. I thought he would have yeah. for sure been a part of that roster, but I guess they've got other other places they're going to go with that. So it, it's just going to be a good chance to not only, you know, those for those back and roster guys to get minutes. Um, but you'll probably see Nashville's first signed homegrown from the Academy this off season. And you'll start seeing some minutes go to, you know, those types of guys as well, being that kind of step between the Academy um, and the first team and, and getting those younger guys minutes as well. So will, will they still be loaning to like USL or are they just like, just straight, like hundred percent, all the players go to the MLS next. They could, um, but okay. it's probably going to be a few, very, very few and far between. Um, they're going to want to keep those guys in-house at Huntsville. Yeah. Okay. Because I just, I, I do worry like level competition. Like I think USL is like pretty good competition. And because you, you you have, yeah, older players, like it's a mix of older players. Whereas, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd be curious how that's going to work where like, like Jack Mayer got a really good run at San Diego and uh I don't know if MLS Next is going to have that level, that same level as USL. At least to start out, maybe five years down the road, it might, you know, pretty be even. But yeah, it seems interesting. 
Yeah, I, th- I think you're spot on there. That right now it, it wouldn't be at the USL Championship level, um, but I think that's eventually the goal is that they're going to start co-oping and, and getting some of those players in. Um, but more, it's probably really going to be about a lead for you know like a U23 lead essentially, of more about you know talented guys who, who are really you know on the precipice like the precipice of breaking in into the first team, and that's really where it's going to be instead of you know guys in their late 20s who are full professional and i think usl wants to do some sort of like pro rel so i guess this now that that they're stepping away from like mls this kind of gives them the freedom to do pro rel with their like usl one and different levels yeah exactly and i and i think it's a good move honestly i think for both parties in that sense that makes sense yeah I'm a little intrigued looking at it as to the the geography on this one. I've actually just had to check Google Maps to find out where is Huntsville and and yeah. how, I mean, how do you guys feel about having a? It's in another state. <laughs> is is, is that it, normal? <laughs> I think it makes sense very... as a location. Um, I don't know if Nashville as a city or the Nashville region could have supported like another essentially professional club, um, but I think. Huntsville is drivable. I think it's like two hours um, mm-hmm. and helps to kind of lay out the footprint. Like I think Nashville SC should definitely aspire to be um, the club of choice for folks in the Southeast um, above like Florida. Is Florida in the Southeast? They're kind of their own thing. I feel like, right. Yeah. Um, so obviously Atlanta beat us, Atlanta beat us to the punch. Um, so a lot of folks have probably um, cast their allegiances there, but I think it, I think it makes sense as a a, a, a small mid sized market that kind of helps the club expand their footprint potentially of of fans and I think that's an area of the world where we can kind of help to grow the game as much as that's not something that is always super important to me like you know I think it's only a good thing for that that region yeah, to have yeah. a Nashville SC sponsor club. Yeah, I guess it's a, a very different consideration, but one that's quite valid, actually. I think I'm quite used to the the English model where you would have uh, your your U23s and your reserve sides are very much, you know, you train at the same facility. Everything's done very much that you want it to be part of one identity, I guess. And, and I, I always understood the logic for that, but I guess the US has different considerations when you think of the, the huge area. And if you bring in a you know, fans from another city and another state into into the brand, then that's also an important thing to be considering too. I think they actually will still train in Nashville and they'll just kind of bus them down for games. And I think part of it with being in a different state was that, you know, all the cities within Tennessee were already kind of taken up. Memphis mm-hmm. has a team, Chattanooga's had a couple teams, Knoxville now has a team. So there wasn't really a market within, within the state that really made sense at this point. Mm-hmm. Clarksville. Clarksville, MLS next. <laughs> That's where the yeah. MLS next, next. Next, next. next. <laughs> um, there's been a little bit of transfer business already for the club. Some roster decisions have been made. Just to hit on the highlights, we've signed Fafa Pico from Houston. Um, Dax is, has reworked a, another one-year contract. Um player whose option was not picked up who may still return but is now a free agent um most notable probably old em15 eric miller is a free agent currently end of an era there perhaps um and then yeah we've been dealing out international slots and and stacking gam per usual so anything stick out as like a highlight or something you didn't expect or 
you know, anything you're excited about as far as the transfer business that has already taken place? I had a question about Fafa because I was not terribly excited, but then read a little bit more and, and saw some video and stuff. And I mean, he looks like he could contribute, but I was surprised when I saw, I thought it was Ben's, Ben Wright's depth chart. He had him on the left, I guess, as an inverted winger ahead. I think he had him ahead of Schaffelberg rather than on the right. I was a little surprised. Is that what we expect? I would have thought Schaffelberg left Fafa, you know, fighting Leal or maybe behind Leal or whatever on the right. Is that, I see Chris, you know? Yeah. So Fafa, he can play on the right, but he plays on the left quite a bit more. And I think honestly, what you'll probably see, my guess is at least next season is that Schaffelberg and Fafa will kind of split time there on the left if we're keep, you know, keep that kind of 4-4-2. Um, and then Leal will be the presumptive starter on the right with, you know, Hawkinson or Muil or those guys kind of filling in for him. Oh, that seems crazy to me. I, I thought when I first saw it come in, I was like, oh, great. Now we have potentially speed on the left and speed on the right. You know, if Leal is struggling and he had some struggles this season or if he gets injured or something, Great, we have a tacked-on starter. It seems weird to me to be stacking up fast wingers just on the left. Well, I mean, he can still go over to the right, so it's certainly not saying that, you know, he's never going to play there on the right. But I think, you know, the idea would be that Leal is still your, you know, presumptive starter on the right. And Fafa may get time over on the right, and for all we know, Schaffelberg could play over on that side too. But I think where you'll see the most of him will be on that left side. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing, John. I, I was trying to think back. I, I think Chris has probably watched a lot more of, of Fafa than I have, but I remember seeing him play on the right, and, like, he's a – I think he'll be a fun addition. I don't know. We'll see. I'm not going to claim to know everything about him as a player, but he seems to provide a little bit of something different. I think he's more of a Schaffelberg, like more mm-hmm. of someone to play off the outside than um, someone like a Teal Bunbury these days or obviously Sapong. So – we're adding attacking depth in like different areas of the pitch, I think, which will be useful regardless of who starts or not. I'm one who obviously wants to see Schaffelberg continue down the left. And if that has, yeah, I think I, is the, is the description of, of Fafa that he's someone who can play across that band of three, as they say behind the striker, is that kind of accurate? He's someone who may come off the bench for anyone that might be playing behind a striker. Is he kind of a, a versatile, just, someone that's just going to benefit the attack regardless of of where they're where they're playing Chris yeah I think so and I mean I think you could even see him come in for Hani at times late in games too as that kind of you know last defender runner um someone who can you know stretch the field especially if you know Loba is moved on from um and it's not immediately replaced then I think he could come in and then play that role too so it's just a versatile piece that gives you speed wherever he may line up. And for Gary, that's always been the case. I think it's not so much about formation as it is player roles. And when you move to this kind of four, four, two, or whatever you want to call it, I think that was the one thing Gary was looking for. in Mike Jacobs as well is, Hey, we need a little bit more speed in this lineup. So they went and got Schaffelberg. Fafa fits that same kind of player role, not necessarily, you know, what the strict position may be. Any thoughts on other positions the club needs to prioritize in the transfer market? Um, I feel like we need to sign a couple of central midfielders, um, really start in earnest the succession plan in central midfield after 
Dax is gone, uh, not being able to consistently have Godoy Dax on the field. I think that is a huge priority. Uh, anyone disagree with that? Any other ideas on on where we need to be focusing in the transfer market? Striker, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, I don't know enough about tactics, but I know a lot of people would say we would need a number eight, more of like an attacking midfielder. Um, yeah, another goal scorer besides Hani. Um, probably start looking. I don't. I don't know how well. I don't know the analytics say about Lovitz, but I feel like there's been a little bit of drop off since year one, and he's getting older. So maybe look into like eventually replacing him, but that's probably not like a need this year type thing. Yeah, I think personally, I'd like to see us do something with. Uh, I'd like to see another striker involved. I I, I do have concerns. Uh, about CJ moving forward, how much of a part he'll play. Um, is is Teal the man to come in and do a job that I'm not too sure. I think I um I, I know there's been a lot of talk on this about is uh how who can enable Hanny to be at his best um in games. And I think that there's a there's a lot of thought that maybe him and him and CJ work quite well together and, and Teal's done a job coming in and scoring goals. But I don't see a reason why Nashville, if they want to be pushing for things at the at the top of the conference, that they need to be signing somebody who can contribute a little bit more. I mean, I think, uh, was it five goals, I think, from CJ last season? It's it's not enough. We need somebody who's capable. You know, I think you can still get a, a good holding forward who can hold the ball up, play alongside Hanny, give him something to play off, but also contribute double-figure goals. I don't think that that's uh, beyond our, our reach, especially given the the money we've outlaid on a on an Aki Loba. I mean, Loba's clearly not the man to do it, but I, I'd like to see us make moves on that, but we probably are limited there, given that we have Aki Loba tied onto a contract. I, I guess I'd like to see him contribute more. My only other thoughts would be, I think that we we have what feels like quite an aging squad. Uh, I know going into games uh, the back end of the season, it felt we were we were running out of steam, and you'd see uh, certainly coming into the playoffs and the average age of that squad. There's it's nearing thirty, and you just think you can't continue season on season. I mean, some of the some of the most valuable players from our first season are, are starting to drop off a little bit now and it's it's no wonder they're a couple of years older now and I think we can't keep expecting the same return from them so definitely some moves that have been made that have to bring in younger talent but I'd, I'd like to see us do a little bit more of that Yeah I think you, you've got to find a DP striker who can actually contribute to this team I mean it's a veteran roster that the window is open for a title run but it's going to be closing rather quickly so Loba, one way or the other, they've got to find a way to move on from him this offseason and bring somebody in with that opened, then opened DP slot uh, to, to bag goals and give Hani some help, or else we're going to keep talking about this team having a really high floor but a low ceiling. And that's going to be the difference maker. Is they've got to find a way to get a DP striker who can actually contribute. Yeah, and I think that's a measure of, like, it'll let us know how – high this club's ambitions truly are like if they're willing to take a loss on Loba are we willing to you know move him on you know and not recoup what we spent for him in the pursuit of bringing in someone in that position that will move things forward and and you know will we continue on 
you know, with the weight of that DP contract that prevents us from bringing in someone else who, who will be more useful to the manager, um, I think will let us know a lot about um, this club's ambition, like I said. But I'm excited to see what happens. Um, all right, I think that wraps up Nashville SC-related items, and I want to get you guys out of here. But World Cup started today. General feelings? Have we, have we all worked ourselves into a, a feeling of being excited about it? Maybe just for the fact that the U.S. is back in the competition for the first time in eight years. That's kind of what I keep telling myself. Um, at the end of the day, I, you know, I'm excited for the football. I'm excited to watch what happens on the field. And that is the kind of philosophy that I uh, am taking. You guys looking forward to it? <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm freaking pumped. We have such a good squad of talented young players. Who knows if they can bring it together? But like on the days when they're on, like Gio Reyna dribbling through those guys in that you know in that uh, one qualifying game, or Pulisic's touch over the top when Zimmerman put that long ball on his foot. I mean, that stuff is just it gets me going. It gets me going. I'm I'm freaking pumped. Yeah, you just got to be excited for the for the damn Yanks. Paul, I know you've mentioned that some of your friends over there maybe are not giving the U.S. Uh, a lot of respect or don't really have too much fear. And, and I think you've said you've kind of tried to push back and say, this is definitely not going to be a walkover. There's some real talent in this squad. How, is, uh, how, how are the English fans viewing uh, being in a group with the, with the U.S. once again? And uh, what do you think that – what is the view of the U.S. outside of the U.S., do you think? Yeah, I mean, I've always been quite high on the US, I guess, from uh, having a little bit more knowledge of the the game and from probably speaking to you guys a lot as well. Um, I I think there's a little bit more respect. I don't know if that's just within my circles because they've been hearing it for so long now, but uh, I, I don't know what your thoughts are. I sort of feel like the US were maybe a little bit more confident going back 12 months. I feel there seems to have been a little bit of a a little bit of concern as we've approached the World Cup. Um, notably, I think the the centre-backs, I think, seem a little bit, are, are they quick enough? The uh, the striker spot feels like it's been a constant uh, question mark for you guys where uh, do you have that out-and-out striker? And I, I still have question marks on that one. I don't know. Um, Jesus Ferreira, is it you're expecting to start up there? I, I don't know if I think he's a a striker that I expect to be taking you further in, within the World Cup. But beyond that, I look and I think it's, it's a good team. You know, there's uh, there's some great players in there. I actually, um, I, I think you'll give us a game. Um, I, I hope to see you come out of the group. Um, I think you will. My gut says that you get out of the group stages and then who knows. But I think the one thing that you're going to get from the, the American side of this one is super fit players you know there's a lot of players with experience on the big stage now which hasn't been the case in in your previous world cups i don't think you've really had a squad where it's consistently players that have played at the top level and and they're not going to be phased there you know so i i think who knows there's uh do i see you going on and, and challenging to win it no but um I, I certainly think there's no reason why you can't be going towards the later stages is football more likely to come home or is soccer more likely to come home? That's the question. Uh, I mean, I mean, it, it should be football coming home. Let's face it. Uh, we, we have a squad on paper, which uh, should be, should be 
being talked about. Uh, I wouldn't say we we should be winning it, but we should certainly be in anyone's consideration for those sort of uh, semi-final sort of stages. And anything can happen from there. But but in reality, we just have such concerns with with Gareth Southgate in charge. Just feels like. I can't see us doing anything until he's he's gone. Uh, I, I think some of the the squad selection from our our part over the past month or so, it, it's been questionable. You know, do I see an England side with Harry Maguire playing lifting a, a World Cup? No, <laughs> I can't see it. I just I, I I feel synergy between Nashville and and England. It just feels like there's so much promise There's that we should be able to do something, but you know the inevitability going into things that they're always going to disappoint you. Gareth and Gary, maybe there's something to that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. And Greg. <laughs> yes. You can add Greg and the three three Gs. Greg's a little more progressive, though. I think Greg is doing things in, the, in a little bit of a different way, at least, but... Um, well, until yeah, we see. have the return of uh, of the most prestigious competition in world football, Major League Soccer, uh, at least we have the World Cup to tide us over. Um, anything else we need to hit on, guys? I think that just about does it. Think we're good here? Yep. Awesome. Paul, joining from across the pond, absolute legend. Thank you, sir. Um, very good to see you again, and uh, we will have you on next season but enjoy the rest of your uh your your trip in your cabin in the woods up there <laughs> thank you very much yeah uh i'll get back to drinking my beers and yeah great to be in great company as always thanks for having me guys good stuff and we'll be chatting through the world cup um andy john as always i'll see you on tuesday but thanks for joining sure. the pod once it. again uh chris Pleasure Ivey, as always the man we've been wanting to have you on forever the legend if you're not reading Chris's stuff for Broadway Sports Media, what the hell is wrong with you? What, what are you doing at this point? Um, anything specific to plug, Chris? You've, you've been doing World Cup previews. Um, anything folks need to be looking out for? I mean, it'll just be kind of your typical off-season pieces and any moves that Nashville makes. We'll be breaking those down. Um, and then right now through the World Cup, I'll have a daily article on just kind of the three wagers that I'm making um, I'm probably guaranteed to lose you some money, but if you want to have some fun doing it, give it a read and, and put some bets in. No, I've heard, I've heard people tailing you are, are making money. I've heard, uh, I've heard Chris is, is the man you need to be tailing if you're trying to, uh, if you're trying to make a little, uh, return on investment, betting on the old, uh, beautiful game. But Chris, thank you so much for, for joining us, Donald, as always. Love you. Love right. you all. Love the dogs, everybody. Enjoy the World Cup, and one last time for the year, come on, you boys in gold.